it's Monday. You know what time it is. It is FRPC football, and it is your NFL draft recap. And I am here with the Canadian bomber, the Canadian shaman, the Canadian Bill Simmons. And for this episode, the Canadian Adam Schefter. Oh, man. Nico Miatello, what's up? How's how you been? It's been a long time. Yeah, lots of stuff man. in the fam going on. But uh, yeah, how's everything? How's everything with you? Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing better now. We've had some crazy life stuff on both sides. Both of us dealing with uh, unwell mothers, and uh, I've also been starting up a few new jobs as well as uh, grad finishing up graduation. So. It's uh, been a stressful time for the both of us. We've tried to get on and record this podcast a couple times before the draft, during the draft, and just had various technical difficulties pull us uh, back. So now it seems like we're coming back to y'all with the draft recap episode. Yeah, because I didn't even get off that my number one quarterback ended up being Anthony Richardson (laughs) after talking to a a league draft evaluator. So Mm. that was interesting. Um, Let's kind of start with the, the fireworks, right? We get, we get Bryce Young out of Alabama, which was like the least big secret, Mm -hmm. but then we get craziness at two and three Mm -hmm. and Houston, it looks like the owner wanted a quarterback. Yeah. It looks like he got what he wanted, but it also looks like the front office got who they wanted at three because they traded back up to Arizona to get the number three overall pick was Will Anderson Jr. Tell me your thoughts on it, because I do have thoughts on it. Uh, yeah, before we get into to that specifically, I'll uh, recap your little uh, point on AR-15 there. Uh, I ended up the opposite of you. I had Anthony Richardson the whole way through, and I ended up switching to Bryce. So funny how that that works out. Uh, but the as far as the Texans are concerned, I um, I'm a little higher on it, I would say, than some in the media, just because I see the the need the Texans had to rebuild an organization that's had since Deshaun Watson left. This team has had difficulty even establishing ground zero to build from. And now here they are with a tent pole player on the offensive side of the ball and a tent pole a tent pole player on the defensive side of the ball as well. So at least now they have somewhere to build from. Uh, the draft equity that went into the move, though, as you'll get into, was uh, quite a bit, almost unpalatable. Let's talk about that, shall we? Mm-hmm. So. 12th overall, you got your 33rd pick overall in the 2023 draft, which was the second round pick. 
a first in 2024, and a third in 2024. So I get that they wanted to establish a culture. I just mm-hmm. the the draft the draft equity was too much for what you were doing. Yeah, I mean it just. I mean that's all there is to it, and and if the team didn't have a lot of holes, the team has a lot of holes. Yeah. So I understand getting people in the building that cultivate winning, but I think that a gradual process to me would have been kind of earnestly where I would have been at. That's just yeah. for me. I yeah. I like the players they got. Don't please, you know, I think Will Anderson mm. is is really good. I you know, I don't know if it translates completely to the NFL. Like I don't know how dynamic it's going to be. I think it'll be real solid. I think definitely production. He's never going to he's always going to be there in practice. He's always looking to get better. Um and maybe he surprises us and becomes like a 14, 15 sack type of guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's like a like a eight to ten guy, personally. Um yeah. I, it moves the needle because that's mm-hmm. you, those are good to have, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. I had a guy, and I'm aging myself now, I had a guy by the name of Grant Wistrom who just got anywhere between Nine to twelve sacks every year. Just what he got. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, so I I understand that, that part. I the CJ Proud thing. I'm like, okay, I get yeah. that too. I mean, I get what they got. I like mm-hmm. both players. So great. I, it's just the. I'll ask this question because I have a, another team that kind of fits this bill as well, and I'm. I don't want to lump them in because I want to get to some good stuff too. But uh, I don't think that Houston really understood value in this draft. Like they just didn't. Mm-hmm. They say the hell with value, basically. Yeah. <laughs> the hell yeah, with draft capital, the hell with whatever. And I think that's when you're in a better spot. Like if you're Kansas City and you're saying that, we can have a conversation. Well, when you're uh, the Houston Texans, you are in a situation where you need bodies and you need production. And I think that you could get a tone setter um, perfectly well at 12. Maybe you have to jump up to nine and maybe not give as much draft equity or whatever the case may be. Um, I think there were other guys who could set tones. If that's what you were looking for, if you wanted a defensive tone center, you could have done that. Um, but yeah, Will Anderson is very skilled. So kudos on the picks. I just I didn't like the execution of how they got there. And yeah. I'm really concerned about next year. I'm really concerned about okay, you got Stroud, you do got tackles that take care of him, right? Because the tackles are squared in Houston. Mm-hmm. But my question is, is how do you add weapons when you don't have draft capital? Yeah. 
it seems like they've got some faith in the weapons they have in the building uh, already that founded or not, they they might think they have some guys who are going to do some things between Nico Collins and John Mechie. And now they brought in Tank Dell as well in the draft. Um, hope They're hoping they can get a little something started there. Uh, but as you were talking about Will Anderson, what I was going to say there is I heard a comp that kind of opened my eyes a little more to what the player Will Anderson could be and made me kind of rethink his player type a little bit. And it's a, the, a very on-brand one that I've now heard a lot after he's been drafted by the Texans. But a player like Mario Williams, who had that explosive pass rush ability like Anderson has, getting to the quarterback, but was able to kind of translate some of that into the run game as well, especially later in his career. If uh, Will Anderson is able to recreate that type of player, I think that would be an absolute home run for them there. It's just, it's different than the pass rushers we've seen over recent years, be it Bosa or Chase Young, name whoever we've said. And as far as Stroud is concerned, I I personally wasn't the highest on him pre-draft, but uh, like quarterback is such a crapshoot that we've had people, it misses at something like 35-40%. Um, I myself know I might not uh, hit there, so we'll have to wait and see as far as that's concerned. Yeah, the quarterback position, um, as well as a lot of these positions. The one thing that I I want to say to all the teams and to to all the players, you know, and I didn't say it at the opening because I didn't want it to sound cheesy, but I think it actually applies now. Is that the draft brings hope? It brings opportunity. It brings. Um, uh, you know, you, you get to see fresh faces and you get to see, you know, your team and what they're what you think they're trying to do and what they're ultimately trying to do. But we're also taking into account that these these young men who are coming to the league now, albeit some of the guys that were drafted this year are a little bit older because they're still dealing with the COVID thing. So we have some yeah. 24, 25 year olds in that situation, but uh, the we don't know what these guys are going to be until usually year two. Usually we year start three, to see, yeah, year two, year three. You know, uh, year three for the younger dudes, I'd say. The guys who come in at 20, 21, yeah, it takes a little bit longer, but otherwise year two is a good measuring point. Yeah. So one thing that I do want to say, and God, I know this is going to sound like I'm jumping on this cat again, but it's not. But Green Bay's draft was the most packery draft that I could have thought they could have had. So you get Jordan Love, right, who's like, in a sense, a first-time starter. Yes, sir. And you you have a pick that's like in the middle of the first round, and there's all other pass catchers that are available, none of the pass catchers have gone. 
None of them. Tight ends, wide receivers, none of them. What does Brian Gutenkuz do, Nico? The most Packer thing available. <laughs> he gets Lucas Van Ness from Iowa, the, the defensive um, lineman, defensive end, edge rusher, strong as an ox, one move dude. Um, you know, the new Clay Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. On brand, just on brand completely. And it was, it was a sight to see. It was, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. Now they did go ahead, you know, in the later rounds and get pass catchers and they actually kind of loaded up a little bit. Um, yeah. But I thought it was so funny. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Here's this quarterback Louis- who needs weapons. It wasn't like they didn't need weapons. Yeah, that's true. But you want to get a lot of weapons for the quarterback that you're unsure of, right? I would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have definitely. your uh, you have your pick of the litter. Mm-hmm. If you like Zay Flowers, if you like Quentin Johnston, that might have been a reach at that point. If you like Injigba from Ohio State, nobody would have nobody would have shamed you there. Yeah. But you get Lucas Van Ness, so <laughs> yeah, I I like Van Ness though, and like we've mentioned, oh no, I guess we didn't mention this on the program before. I can't remember no, with all the episodes we've canceled or have. There's lost episodes, and they're they're going to end up on Patreon one day. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> Uh, our guy Kyler actually had Ben Ness as his number one edge rusher in the class. And he's someone who I tuned in on early because uh, TJ Watt threw a lot of support behind him coming up. They're friends. So I w- watched his film and I get it. I get the fact that this guy is a freak athlete you don't really see it because he doesn't run the crazy 40 or anything but he's so twitchy and so strong and bendy at all sorts of levels he has power and he can get around the edge he has like that exact ability you'd like to see but i i do agree with you too the conversation around the packers post draft has been the fact that they, in the first time since no Aaron Rodgers, they've actually addressed the pass catchers with Jordan Love because they went and got two tight ends, uh, which was kind of weird, but two tight ends and Jaron Reed. And I agree that's helpful. That's something Aaron Rodgers would have probably loved to see. But as you said, they every pass catcher in the draft was available They have a first-time quarterback. They have their offensive line kind of figured out. And while you weren't going to get a player like Van Ness in the second round, there is a clear drop-off there. You still could have addressed the edge in the second round. And actually, given this quarterback who you have on a one-year deal, basically, a chance just to like see what he is beforehand now it's 
I'm kind of worried you're going to end up in muddy waters. And if he shows off anything at all, you might be stuck into a, a contract extension you maybe don't want to sign. Um, hopefully he just balls out and gets paid and everyone's happy in the end. But uh, I think Green Bay opened themselves up to multiple different possibilities with this move. And we clearly haven't seen the end of it yet. And also, this is a time of the program where, yet again, FRPC as a whole will say we were wrong about Lamar Jackson not ever donning a Baltimore yeah. Ravens uniform. So sad. We, we, were, we apologized for that, and then it went down already. But, yeah. So, again, to the city of Baltimore – and I guess to the Ravens organization, because the one thing that I will say is that there was some disc, there was some um, some animosity there. There was some mm-hmm. some conversations of of lack of communication. There there was there was a lot of tenuous situations with this. So I don't say that was wrong but i will say that i really didn't believe that he would ever wear a raiders uniform again so i was wrong on that but i will say this with that being said they had a great draft day one before the draft but then adding nico's favorite wide receiver in the draft zay flowers they always do this. The actually, to be honest, all four teams in my division, I think, had excellent drafts, performances. The Bengals, I couldn't believe some of the values they got. The Browns getting Dewan Jones in the fourth round, absolutely insane. But Zay Flowers in the first round to the Ravens, just like every year. I I could switch my draft class with the Ravens draft class and I'd still be incredibly happy. Uh, this is an incredible young player. He's very fast. And a comp I've made before is he feels like Hollywood Brown, but just he can catch a ball. And if you have that in a situation with Lamar Jackson, I think you're cooking with gas. Now you've got Zay, you've got Odell. You got Mark Andrews back. Maybe for the first time, they're finally putting something interesting around Lamar Jackson and a Todd Munkin offense, not a Greg Roman offense. I uh, have been incredibly critical of the Ravens throughout this process, which obviously I'm going to do as a Steelers fan, but I it's went deeper than that throughout this situation. But how they've resolved it all and brought it together finally I think is going to be something incredible. It's what it looks like now. They worked out a good deal overall. They've they've done a great job here, and I have to acknowledge that. I mean, I guess a hundred and eighty million dollars guarantee can wash away a lot of acrimony, oh, right? Absolutely. So, I like. Why didn't they just give him that in the first place? I guess. But that's a negative. Maybe 12 months from now, they'll piss Lamar off about something else and he'll try to agitate out remembering his treatment in this situation. But, uh, I yeah, I don't know. 
one quick thing, because there's another thing I want to get to, because I, I thought it was interesting. But I have an observation I need to run past you. Um, do the Cincinnati Bengals uh, scouting department, do they just watch um, CBS football and, like, Fox Big Big uh, Saturday and just ESPN? Because they just draft dudes that you see on Saturday. Like they, they seem to. They do a lot of it. <laughs> it's so funny to me because you look down, it's like Ohio State, Bama, Georgia, Clemson. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Steelers do some of that too, to be honest, where they tend to target the, uh, the big schools and the Power Five. But the Bengals historically, especially lately, have been doing more of that. And to be honest, it can work out as a solid strategy. That's how you get some of the best players in the draft. It's normally some of the guys who have been showing out from a young age. But like Miles Murphy in the first round, DJ Turner in the second round, I didn't think he'd fall as far as he did. Even a guy like uh, Charlie Jones, Charlie Jones. Turner. He's really interesting. Chase Brown as a running back. I thought they'd uh, address that situation a little more urgently, but maybe we could see Cincinnati at this point as one of the teams who brings in a guy like a Leonard Fournette who's still sitting out there. Uh, today we just saw Jarek McKinnon brought back to the Chiefs after they've kind of worked out their uh, 90-man roster situation. I think as that's our sort of stuff starts happening there's going to be teams out there with a few extra roster spots to play with and uh i think we'll see the Bengals address the running back position speaking of addressing the running back position that leads me into perfect segue Mm -hmm. at number eight the atlanta falcons take b john robinson out of texas university that's one way to address it very explosive running back very Mm -hmm. uh you know can catch out the backfield, all that. Nico. I, <laughs> <laughs> I understand that as far as what he is and what he yeah. was as a draft prospect. As far as talent's concerned, there's no question. I just have a real hard time. If I'm if I'm not fully complete everywhere else. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm going to use my draft capital. And I'm definitely not going to do it at eight. And I understand that he probably is not getting past like 12, right? Because the fear yeah, was, right? The fear that. was Philadelphia, right? Yeah. Like, oh, it was Armageddon. Philly, oh, my God. What happens if Philadelphia gets him? Well, right? I think I think we actually saw... Um, uh, maybe it wouldn't have broke down this way, but Chicago seemed interested in addressing running back in the later rounds when they went with the Roshan Johnson pick. So I wonder if they might have been a sleeper candidate that we weren't thinking about who might have had some Bijan interest. Mm. And they would also have fallen into my category of why are you picking a running back so damn early with all mm-hmm. of your needs that are out there and yeah. that you can address. And, again, I'm going to say this, and I know people are going to be like, why is he shitting on our picks? No, I'm not. Bijan Robinson will be a productive back in this league 
um, barring injury for many years to come. He's going to make outstanding plays. He's going to make big runs. He's going to make spectacular catches. He's going to run for, he's going to take off for 75-yard touchdowns. He's going to do all that. My question is, is that does Atlanta do anything this year? Anything. Yeah. Is their defense any better? I think their defense is better. They've addressed the cornerback positions multiple times in free agency. They went and they got Jesse Bates as well at safety. Uh, at the end of free agency, they've added Bud Dupree in the pass rush. They've made some moves on the defensive side of the ball. So I do have some faith they can improve there. I, I definitely agree. I think that Atlanta's money could have been a lot better spent if they, instead of maybe making one of the offensive line re-signings that they did in free agency, they could have sat started the offensive line run and maybe spent a little less at the running back position because bringing back a guy like Chris Lidstrom, I know he's a good player, but it felt like a pricey contract when they were in a position to go and get potentially a star tackle in a guy like Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, where they were sitting. So I didn't necessarily love what they did. That being said, We've talked about this with Atlanta before and cities like this. There are certain players that can breathe life into a city and make a whole new generation of fans fall in love with the football team. And if they can figure out this team around Bijan, he's that kind of guy. So there is a chance that they made this pick, and in a few years, it could look like it's revitalizing Falcons football. I'm I'm willing to hold up the hope for something like that, at the very least. Now, they put themselves in a situation five years from now. Obviously, that's a long time from now. But mm-hmm. that if he's the number eight overall, he's going to get a pretty penny when free agency hits. Because mm-hmm. that that contract that contract is going to escalate, so by the time he's done at year what four well year four, mm-hmm. he's got to be making like sixteen seventeen million, right? Yeah, contract escalates. So yeah, yeah, like it's gonna be it's gonna be big, and it'll go up. The fifth year option will go up to like the average of players drafted at your position or the average of top five uh, players at your position. So it'll probably do the draft position thing for him and end up being a pretty large number overall. Um, he He's going to be in a spot where he's really well paid by that point for sure. Um, just hopefully they can put something around him before that happens. Here's the positive spin, and Nico, I I want to I want to see if you can um, be with me on this. We're gonna do like a breakdown of breakdown, uh, division by division of like mm-hmm. overall uh, off seasons starting next week. You and I pick one, and then we'll yeah. put it out on Twitter. So follow us on uh, Front Runner PC and at Nico FRPC. 
yes. for that news. I'll let you pick the first one so we can go ahead and do that. But the thing that I have the real issue with is that is that yeah the money is going to be outlandish in year five and beyond but Mm -hmm. they could build this around him arthur smith this is his type of team this is his type of back this is what he had in tennessee definitely you got kyle pitts there already you got drake london there that find a speed guy that's another thing to consider like when you look at this Atlanta offense, if they can figure out the quarterback position, they have mismatches at three points of the field, like serious size and athleticism mismatches between Bijan, Kyle Pitts, and Drake London. That is that is the makings of a scary offense. Can I ask a question? And I know it's after the thought, and, and, and I know that 2020 is always, you know, mm-hmm. hindsight. Would, would Aaron Rodgers, with what they have in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and then obviously adding, like, you know, Bijan, would that have been – a really good landing spot for him. It would have been a nice spot for him for sure, but I I kind of think the way they've positioned themselves, they're kind of in the spot to get the next Aaron Rodgers or the next quarterback who just wants mm-hmm. out of their situation. Mm-hmm. They're going to look like pretty damn appetizing. I know they're not going to be necessarily in a spot to draft a quarterback, but they've got some draft assets. They can package some things up and move for the next hypothetical, uh, be it Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, like whatever quarterbacks on the move, there's going to be a guy at this point. And it seems like that's the way the NFL is trending. I would really like them to get a black quarterback in Atlanta. Of course. I really want. That's their dream. I really want a transcendent talent down there oh, um, yeah. and who knows if is is desmond uh riddler uh riddler Ritter, whatever <laughs> can't say his name he's trying to, he's it, trying to kill batman yeah absolutely don't do that <laughs> um if Ritter doesn't turn out to be too much of anything um did they raise the level of talent where it's like it's going to be hard for them to be in the spot of, let's say, where they were this year or even yeah, further they, down? Like, they definitely did. So they would have to trade assets to be able to yeah. further their – okay. I think that's that's the spot they're in. Like I, especially like this Arthur Smith-style team, they have improved their defense in free agency. I think they're just with the running game alone should win them at least six, seven games next year. And they're not in the strongest division. Like uh, you, we talked earlier about, uh, I can't remember what you called them. Tanka Bay. Tanka (laughs) Bay. We're going to talk about them a little bit later. Yes. Tanka Uh, Bay. Tanka Bay. And, uh, 
the obviously the Panthers drafting first overall, but result of a trade up, but still. Literally um, going to be the most exciting ex- science experiment ever known to man. Yeah, it'll be a fun team. I can't wait sure. to see it. But there's there's just like a bunch of team. My point is there's a bunch of Saints too. There's a bunch of teams in that division who don't really have anything figured out. And there's g- going to be winnable games there for Atlanta one way or another. Uh, I think that's going to be a really kind of exciting division to, mm-hmm. Not because of, like, the play will be so awesome. Yeah, yeah. But the games, I think, will be real close and probably entertaining all the same. Yeah. It's no NFC North. I think that division is the craziest one in the whole sport right now. I can't wait to see it. But Speaking uh, of crazy, cool speaking of crazy, mm. I, I have a question to ask you. Yeah. Not because you are or you even spend a lot of time in this neck of the woods, but mm-hmm. I just want you to imagine yourself as this, okay? Okay. You're a New York Giants fan. Yeah. The draft you have is really good. Mm-hmm. You have a good draft. Yep. But the Philadelphia Eagles are in your division and they drafted Georgia North. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, that Eagles team is insane. Can I just say two things? This is this is where I'm gonna we're gonna be exciting and it's gonna be funny for a second, but I'm also gonna there's gonna be I'm gonna temper some of this a little bit too. Mm. I couldn't imagine being a Giants fan after mm. Saturday, right? You 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 go through the three days, especially if you're a football fan. You're like, oh, okay, we got this dude and. This dude was right behind him. We could have got him. You know, you get the what we could have got. Oh, yeah. couldn't we moved up here? Or, oh, no, I'm really happy with the draft by all accounts. Mm-hmm. The Giants had a really solid draft. I didn't have a problem with really any other picks, honestly. Yeah. It just so happens that Philadelphia – Last year drafted Jordan Davis. Yeah. Last year drafted Nicobe Dean. This year drafted Jalen Carter. Yeah. Like number one on people's boards. My Nolan Nolan Smith, who if the peg terror doesn't happen, probably really a lot higher. At least like eighteen. I kept thinking he was gonna be the pick at ten. And then Philadelphia. <laughs> and and then in the fourth round, Nico, they get Keely Ringo. Yep. Who, if I'm not mistaken, you liked a lot. And I, I did like I did like him. He wasn't uh wasn't a first round corner for me or anything, but no. he was someone who I thought the Steelers might be targeting uh with that second second round pick they had there or uh their third round pick having him fall all the way to the fourth was pretty crazy. Mm. Now here's what I will say now for all the excitement that Philadelphia has and for all of what we think these players could be, because here's the thing, let's just put it out there. The reason why we're saying it like this and everybody's talked about him at nauseum. I didn't want to spend a lot of time on Philadelphia. We're not. Yeah. But if yeah. all these guys get real close to their ceilings, this defense is going to be stupid. 
Mm-hmm. That's yeah, I agree. We can just let it go with that and just be sad with that. I just wanted to kind of go. Yeah, give neither a nod. of these guys are going to be playing this year. Also, <laughs> like their two first round picks, like Jalen Carter is going to get some spot minutes, but he's still behind Fletcher Cox, and Jordan Davis is going to be the starter at that one zero tech one tech spot, and uh. Nolan is still going to be behind Brandon Graham for this season. So, like, while it's super fun and going forward, this defense is going to be crazy. Our guy Kendall is fucking livid that he's got his ass kicked by these Georgia players with Alabama for two years. And now they're all in his fucking division with the Cowboys. But... uh <laughs> Here, he's going to have to deal with it. And going forward, I think, uh, maybe not this year, but in the future, this Eagles team is going to be scary. The Eagle Dogs. Yeah, the Eagle Dogs. The other team that I want to speak really positively about, which actually wants – I want to throw up in my mouth, Nico. Mm -hmm. Uh, Seattle Seahawks, a 12th man. What a draft they had. Uh, Starting out with uh, – our favorite, my favorite corner, I think it was your favorite corner, Witherspoon out of Illinois. Yeah, my favorite corner, for sure. Okay. Well, I like Gonzalez a lot, too. I was back and forth. I really love Gonzalez. And I like where he ended up with the Patriots yeah, at 17. And wait, way to go, Belichick. Way to go screw your uh, in-division rival. By allowing the Pittsburgh Steelers to move oh, up man. and get the we'll, we'll the, get the, in, the less we'll get into them the later only because... serviceable tackle left in the draft. Oh man, Jesus, man! man. But with that being said, uh, then they go twentieth and they get Jackson Smith and Jigba, and I was like, wait, hold on. So you're telling me Geno Smith now has Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. And Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, that's nice. That's, that's that's nice. Pretty damn. That's pretty damn good. Also, they're like three receivers who I I've heard this a lot. Like it's too much for some reason. It's too many receivers. Somehow they fill like three different roles. Like. Your typical X receiver is DK Metcalf, the big guy who can go up and get it, always lines up opposite the tight end. JSN, for as quick as he is, had some like time-breaking short shuttle times, is not a fast receiver. So a dude like that is a born big slot. And Tyler Lockett, you play as the Z on the other side. Like he's born to play in that like roll exactly you currently have the three guys who fit together kind of seamlessly and will just basically step into the roles going forward i think i'm the seahawks weren't one of my top drafts but that pick i think uh if if jsn was gonna go first amongst receivers that should be where he went i'm just purely talking on like 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 you said, it's it fits so perfectly. And then yeah, like the in the third round, okay, you knew where I was gonna go with this, right? In the third round, they took the back out of UCLA, 
Zach Sharp. Back into the second round. Back into the That's... second round. Okay. 55. Yeah. Okay. Still. Second round. Yes, they take sir. my boy. He's that man. That's my boy, too. That was my maybe not the best running back in this draft, but that was my favorite. I'll tell you what. I, I like him with pick 55, then I like uh, Jameer Gibbs at pick oh, 12. Pick 12, of course. What yeah. are we doing? Yeah. What no, are we man. doing? That's crazy. I Charbonnet with Walker still on the team though is is concerning. I'm not. That's kind of two of the same guys. Maybe they are not quite as high on what Kenneth Walker did last year as the rest. Of the I world. don't think they think Kenneth Walker can catch. Uh well, because he Zach Charbonnet can't. Yeah, yeah, he can. But like, are you bringing Zach Charbonnet in to be your receiving back? Because that feels like a complete misuse of everything else. No, 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 no. I think this is competition. I think this is Pete Carroll 101 when he Mm -hmm. had like Reggie Bush and um, what's the kid's name who ended up playing for the Titans or whatever. Lindell, Lindell White, Lindell White at USC. This is, this is, this is his version of that. He okay. likes to compete. I'm here for it. He's all about it. He's you about getting pumped and jacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's Carol being Carol. Yeah. He he does have a bit of a history of misusing running backs in the past, though. So I I would be kind of concerned about that. Um, I, I will be having a poster and and maybe a GoFundMe to free Zach Charbonnet. From Seattle, mm-hmm. if he's yeah. only getting like five touches a game, yeah, it might I go a week six. He's a guy. He is a guy. I definitely have been targeting in dynasty drafts, though. So uh, I, I, I say I'm worried about them misusing him. But man, if they don't, that could get pretty spicy. But it's better to have a player that you have the capability of either using correctly or misusing correctly than to draft a player with the 12th overall pick. Yes, that was not a good move. Okay. All right. Detroit, there was a lot of feel-good stuff with you last year, last season. We go into the offseason thinking, oh, okay. And then you some pretty thrifty pickups here and there. As far as your free agency goes, mm-hmm. but we thought at this point, this is where you were going to make hay. Because remember, they started off with six. Mm-hmm. They trade back from Arizona. Now, the fun begins. Twelve gives eighteen Campbell. And I like that one. I understand I that you like it, but value-wise, you know <sighs> and I know that you could have traded back. You could have traded know. back and got him. He was not going 18 to anybody else. Nico, he wasn't going 18. He wasn't never. going 18 to anybody else. He wasn't. There were, I know there were other teams that liked him, and I think he was going to be the first linebacker drafted one way or another. I understand they're them not wanting to trade back too far. 
where do you honestly think he? I I haven't gone? I haven't put it together off the top of my head because I don't I have anybody out there who really had teams that were behind Detroit for Campbell. Okay. There, yeah, there were a couple teams that I liked to fit in, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm pulling up the draft board as we speak. Um, oh, actually, kind of the a team. I I think they probably still would have went with a guy in Jackson Smith, but I did like his fit in a place like uh, Seattle. I also liked his fit in Tampa Bay, who went with a guy in Kalijah Kansi, who. Uh, I I think we both maybe are not quite as on the hype train as everyone else is. No, and they have uh, Devin White who keeps asking out, and even if he's not going to get out, which I don't think he will, he's looking for twenty million dollars a year apparently. So I, there's something going on there. I'd be concerned about that, and I Jack Campbell might be a guy I like for them. Plus. Todd Bowles, that that kind of is his style of linebacker. So I'd be, I maybe it was Tampa Bay they were afraid of taking. Tampa Bay, I don't know. I don't think so. Those that I believe that Detroit now they bounced back. I believed in the second, third round, the second day, and did did some stuff that made some sense, and it all kind of worked out in the end. But I was just like, Ooh, this is not great. It's not great at all. Yeah. yeah, I didn't like the first round pick either. They could have probably traded back and got something similar. Um, By the way, I, I want to stop over Michael Mayer though in round two. Huh? They went Sam Laporta over Michael Mayer. Sam oh yeah, Laporta. these are these are all questionable picks. Michael That's... Mayer is. I put in my reputation that Michael Mayer is a better player than Sam Laporta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't go that far, but I liked him way, way, way. More. Okay, like what I'm saying is, like barring injury, barring like mm-hmm. you know, I don't yeah. know drug issue or like I, he went out. Yeah, and no, I some women's or, you know women around. I, I get what you're saying. Laporta's just, got a little bit of juice, so I like so Laporta. I, I'm just saying, like all around, dude. Yeah. You know, because here's the thing. When we talk about like the tight ends and stuff like that, don't get me wrong, Kelsey gets a lot of love. But when they yeah. talk about tight ends and they talk about Kittle, mm-hmm. they talk about him differently than they talk about Kelsey. You know, oh, there's a little more respect around the league with Kittle. Not well, saying yeah. they don't not like Kelsey doesn't get his, but he's a fast catching dude. Well, yeah, but people are afraid of Kittle. That's why. That's yeah. that's the type of dude he is. I, I kind of think the Steelers might have drafted another dude quite like that this year as well, who teams might be a little afraid to tackle. Everybody drink. Uh, before we get to your team, uh, Kalijah Clancy, I'm going to say it right now, not an Aaron Donald clone. I don't want to hear it. I don't want anybody to say it. He went to Pittsburgh. He's a squatty interior defensive lineman. That's when the similarities end. He is not Aaron. Can we put a moratorium on like ridiculously 
uber like pantheon guys comps like if yeah. a, if a quarterback comes out and you say oh that's brady or mm. that's mahomes immediately your credibility is shot just we're done here done yeah, yeah that's it's true man there's there's certain guys who just aren't going to show up ever again i think uh the aaron donald comps were ridiculous for far more reasons than just the fact he's a pantheon guy but like there are certain dudes you just can't like molds of those players don't exist you can't say he is in this guy's mold he plays the game kind of like this guy well everyone plays the game kind of like that guy because everyone wants to be that guy he's not anything like that guy (laughs) so i'm here to tell you that as much as i like the seattle pick witherspoon he is not Deion sanders no no he's not he definitely isn't. Okay. He is, however, Devon Witherspoon, and that's pretty impressive. Yeah, exactly. And he can be the best Devon Witherspoon on the face of the planet, which will be good enough for me because mm-hmm. that guy hits hard. So I'm Man. good there. I just that I had to say that because I really I understand that they're trying to paint a picture for the audience, and they just want to use names that the audience can grab onto. But for the people who actually try to consume tape and we hear these mm-hmm. things, we're we're literally getting migraines off some of these comps. Yeah. Cause they're not indicative of the player whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So Kalijah Clancy, I hope you have a great career. I hope you make a lot of money. I hope you do a lot of great things in the NFL and you're still not gonna be Aaron Donald because mm-hmm. they're not gonna trickle team you. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry to tell you that, buddy. It's never gonna happen to you. So there it is. Um, two other things that I want to kind of talk about, and then, like I said, we want to get into a lot of this stuff when we break down divisions and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, give me the guy in the first two days, or actually, give me the guy in the in the second day that you said he was drafted, and five years from now, I believe there's going to be a lot of people really regretting. Skipping him twice, basically. Oh, that's a that's a big question, and I know you didn't want me to turn around and just get right back into my Steelers, oh, but uh, you you've walked me that. into this. Uh, the same guy I was just talking about before, uh, Mister Pick ninety three, Darnell Washington. Uh, there's some medical concerns. Uh, that we've heard about. There's uh, team doctors who are looking at him right now. Certain teams have uh, red flagged him for one reason or another. If you end up being wrong on this guy, (laughs) you're going to regret it because there are not too many people on earth who look and move like him. Can I give you a little insight into that? Yeah. Okay. So how it actually works um, if, if nobody is really into this type of stuff, I mean, you know, go ahead like 45 seconds. But how it actually works is that it's a team where they will sit there and they will, their doctors will say, nope, 
that's it. It could be one or two teams, mm-hmm. right? They'll say, oh, this is knee, knee injury central. I wouldn't take this guy. And when yeah. they say there's a red, there's a medical red flag on them, it doesn't necessarily mean all 32 teams. There's not like one Oracle doctor that says this guy I deem to be injury prone, so we should not draft him, right? Mm-hmm. It's one or two, maybe possibly at most four. Sometimes you get that medical that's just like, oh my God, no. Like half the league will take them off or even more, right? But usually the case is it's somewhere in a handful of teams that say, eh, I don't know. This looks like he's going to miss games every year. Do you want to deal with this? And that's how he'll get. That's how Washington will get taken off the board. Yeah. So I just wanted well, to give that as a clarity that this this guy is not a ticking time bomb. This no, is not Brandon no, Roy in course. the NBA. Of this course. is. This yeah, is two or three teams that looked at the medicals, maybe because they had a previous guy with or, like the same injury, yeah. they get a little skittish, and they said, "Nope, we're not dealing with that anymore." Oh, there's yeah, there's all sorts of different reasons. There's also like teams have different doctors who use different medical models who check different things, and certain teams might like flag certain kinds of players, and another team might not. And also the thing about these medical models that they're using is they're all just prediction science. They're not correct 100% of the time. Some people can look like they have a degenerative knee condition and they end up being like a superstar. I remember several guys who have came into the league with uh, teams taking them off the board for medical red flags. A guy we just talked about, DK Metcalf, he looks pretty fucking good to me. I don't know about you. So the medical red flags only mean things to certain teams. But Darnell is a guy who's got hands. He's got uh, speed and the ability to move. He can create in space. And he's an absolute bowling ball. If he can develop into a pass-catching weapon, for this team, I think teams all around the league are going to be absolutely regretting it. Uh, tight ends, hap- this happens with more than any other position. Guys will come in, and for whatever the reason, they'll just get dinged and knocked down forever. George Kittle was another guy like that, actually. Travis Kelsey as well, who guys who had uh, like pretty excellent college careers had different things that you could point to in their college film, but for whatever reason, George Kittle, it was he wasn't thrown to quite enough, and Travis Kelsey had some injury concerns as well, if I remember correctly. Um, and Gronk, the, yeah, Gronk, Gronk was taken well. off everybody's board basically, and yeah, just one team liked them, and that's all it took. So, um, th- this seems to happen with tight ends more than other positions, so. Like, hopefully, for the Steelers' sake, uh, I know my guy, Pat Fryermuth, I love him still. Uh, he's he's getting a little nervous. He's been in the media a lot lately talking about how, oh, I hope I'm going to be, I plan to be a top five tight end next year and all, all this other stuff about how great, great the team is. He's also 
walking back some of the negative comments he's had about the offensive coordinator before. He's sweating. He knows the guy they, they just brought in the building. He was on the first round of several mock drafts. So we we kind of know what it is at this point. And uh, I think he's the guy who teams are going to end up regret passing on. Do you have a, a guy you'd put in that category? Um, There's a couple guys. And this wide receiver group was interesting to me in a lot of ways, right? So I'm sitting here and I'm looking at guys that were um, playing big-time college football on Saturday and because of their size and whatever case may be, or maybe they didn't run like a, you know, a great 40 time or whatever. I think just a wide receiver group in general that was drafted after after one in day two, I think we're going to have a lot of guys that come out of there and go, oh, oh, okay. Okay. Okay, he's a yeah. real player. I love Mingo, man. I think that's a excellent player and an awesome landing spot in Carolina. We should see him uh, really shine. The other guy, <laughs> since you did it with your team, I'll do it with mine. Uh, there you go. There's a, there's a running back that the, the Rams drafted late out of the University of Mississippi. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. I love this kid too. Listen, when Zach Evans is, when y'all looking for fancy guys late in the year and you're like, why is this dude, why was he not picked up earlier? You're welcome. You're welcome. Because we have three backs now. We have three. They're very excited. And I love the boringness of our draft starting with Avila helping that interior offensive line I loved it maybe I'm a nerd but I didn't think your draft was that boring the Avila pick felt like a splash to me it's exactly what you needed and it was a guy who fell like further than I expected we had centers and interior offensive linemen go above him, who I felt like had no business going above him. So uh, great selection for the Rams there. That was the craziest thing. Is that I was like, oh, wait, why is that dude going? Okay. And then when the pick came, I was like, please just let it be a boring offensive lineman. Just let it be a boring pick. Not too, too at well. Not... <laughs> Some dude you saw play at the Institute of Cooking in Montreal. None of that. Just boring interior offensive lineman. Mm -hmm. And when TCU's Avila came up, I was, I was so, I was so happy. Yeah. Because also he's a complete animal. Yeah. Physicality is. His middle name. He has a nasty streak. Um, he showed it against, um, you know, Michigan and whatnot. So I and he showed it all year. So I'm, I couldn't have been more thrilled with the Rams' uh, draft. Mm-hmm. It was just very, very droll. 
we didn't do a whole bunch of like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to trade up. We're going to trade right. No. <laughs> Draft dudes, bro. We need a lot of them. Yeah. 14 to be exact. <laughs> yeah. Other dudes. You did, you did a good job. And most of them are in the day four, or just sorry, day three, like round four and later. Yeah. Group. So I, I'd i be really interested to see how many end up making the team at the end. And we got Ladalian and Thomas Lee, little nephew, bro. Just, oh, yes, man. Sir. Man, Tomlinson Hodges is a good young corner. I. I was kind of hoping he'd be one of those guys who'd fall farther, and the Steelers might get him in round seven. But I'm, I, I, Corey Trice is someone I thought there'd be no chance would be there in round seven. So. By the way, see that's what I'm talking about is Over Corey Trice, people like that. You know, yeah. uh, the Patriots got a. Uh, I think they actually got still in the seventh round with with uh, Butte. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, a lot of people are down on him because of last year that program was a mess. Yeah, you know, you had the you had the Ogeron group, you had the Kelly group, mm-hmm. you had you had fickleness at quarterback. Some dudes like McDaniel, some dudes didn't like McDaniel's. They didn't like his whole spiel at uh, Arizona State. Then they had Nussmeyer. It was a mess. It was just mm-hmm. a mess there. So. Boutte, if his head is on right, and listen, there's nothing to do in Foxborough but eat and consume tape. So yeah, and get out on the practice field. So have a good time. Yeah, that that's uh, a well I like to go back to. Actually, players like Boutte who really showed out early in their career, and it seemed like they were going to be a high pick. And then end up like slowing down by the end. It goes generally one of two ways. You'll either end up with the Stefan Diggs or you'll end up with the Sammy Coates. But when it when you get the Stefan Diggs, it's definitely worth that late round pick. I'll tell you what. <laughs> we can end the podcast on on this. At least you didn't, at least uh, none of our teams draft, drafted a kicker in the third round. So no. that 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 uh that situation we didn't have to worry about that. Yeah, well, Moody better make every kick at this point. And it's hard it's hard for these guys a lot of the time, the kickers that get overdrafted. But their their biggest need by far on the roster was kicker. So I understand the aggressiveness to wanting to go up and get get a guy. I just it kind of felt like they forced it. It didn't feel like he was a kicker who was like so far above and beyond that he deserved to be a day two pick. It just felt like they needed a kicker, so they took one. Can I tell you what happened in the 49ers uh draft room hmm. when that pick came up? All right. So we got to harking back a little bit further than that, right? So Shanahan gets uh, bounced from the playoffs. You know, no quarterbacks, right? You know, we tried 45 of them. So he's looking at just draft guys or whatever. He's just in the M's for some reason. This is where he just started. One of his old buddies sends him some 
like grainy video of Moody throwing the football in like Pop Warner. Yeah. And this is your this is your late season surprise quarterback dude. Ah. That's, yeah. That's a that's what solid, happened. That's all a solid deduction, man. Yeah. This is exactly what happened. I yeah, I'd be I'd be concerned about that. I'd hope he never throws a pass, but I get it. Just letting you know, it's like he, he's taking Taysom Hill to a new level. It's like kicker and quarterback. Uh, that that's fun. That'd there it is, fun at the very least. Well, and, I thought that you would enjoy that. Oh <laughs> man, third round kicker. What are we doing? It wasn't like he was hitting 60 yarders like on a regular either. That was the best part. I'm like, this dude is not transcended in any way. Like, cold weather. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. You play yeah. in San Francisco, wind, I guess. I don't, whatever. But the tape, the grainy tape makes a lot more it sense works. that this is yeah. what happens when <laughs> San Francisco inevitably goes through six quarterbacks because he gets them all killed. Oh, man. <laughs> Moody's yeah. trotted out mm-hmm. there. Mr. Week sixteen. <laughs> Week sixteen. He's throwing yeah. crossing patterns. Debo Samuel's. <laughs> Nick Mullins. Who? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you talking about, Montana? We got Jake Moody, man. Yeah. The one and only. <laughs> um. Oh man! I used to. It's funny that that you bring this up, and this, <laughs> we might have to cut this out of the pod, whatever. But uh, back in the day, in my Madden franchises, whenever uh, the game wasn't going the way I wanted it to go, and I was playing with my friends, I would put uh, Rams legend Johnny Hecker back there at quarterback. And I would call him the Heckmeister and just throw bombs with the Heckmeister all game, trying to turn my fortunes around. It rarely worked, but when it did, I could talk shit for a decade. So uh, I, I loved my my Heckmeister plays. See, there's see see this is where you know all the all the nerds love Shanahan. So this yeah. is where he becomes like they they nerd out like this, yeah. He got tape of him in junior high school. <laughs> and, like, his command of the offense was, like, next level. His yeah. his eye discipline was great. And what happened was he, he, really, he really took off and flourished in soccer in high school. And that derailed his, uh, his quarterback career. But what Shanahan can bring it out of him, we only need him for five plays a game. It's gadget stuff. Uh-huh. That's a move, man. They need to they need to be more willing to let Shanahan play ex water polo players at uh tight end. It it's how you end up building a winning roster. Hashtag let Shanahan sizzle. Yeah. That's what I'm looking forward to next year. Is let Shanahan sizzle. All right, with that being said, I think we can get up out of here. Uh, uh, we're yeah. starting next week. We will pick a division and go through their offseason. Um, 
see if there's anything of need that they that they uh um haven't got through this process so far um mm-hmm. maybe a little outlook a little front office kind of deep dive a little bit and then there will be a basketball pod going up probably within the next couple of days as well and then there will be mm-hmm. a pot on friday as well so yeah. With that being said, we are gonna get up out of here. Nico, do you have any words for the for the fan bases out there that no. drafted? No, no, no words of wisdom about any of these guys. Uh, uh, if you want to hear more about these guys and all the divisions that uh, you play in and the g- players you've selected, you should uh, follow us at. Front runner PC on Twitter, Nico FRPC on Twitter, and uh, just tune back in, and hopefully uh, our lives will stop crumbling around us, so we can put out podcasts more regularly going forward. That life pod is forthcoming because let me tell you something: oh, uh-huh. it's been a drain emotionally <laughs> here for your boy. Oh. So, so crazy with that. Mm-hmm. Um. What was I going to say? Oh, I do have one thing to say to a fan base. Don't worry, Indianapolis. Do not worry yourself. I don't care how bad it looks this year. Do not worry yourself. Keep in mind, your beloved Peyton Manning had a bad first year, too. Yeah. Uh, uh. They'll give him time. They'll give yeah. him time. No, I just, you know. You know what? Parting gifts, I'll give No, no, hold on. He's, he's black, and he's in Indiana. Come he on. Is. Come on. He is. Let's, let's give he's... my guy some grace. Oh, man. Colts fans, give Richardson some grace. I believe that the patience will pay off in a huge way. Mm-hmm. And you will be excited again. This will be better than Andrew Luck if this all hits. Damn right. So. Oh, I was just parting gifts. We can say the Colts, uh, one of the best drafts of any team out there. The uh, Cardinals as well, I think, had a great draft. But both those teams, I think, uh, home run. So we can say that... uh, those two fan bases as we're leaving up because I don't think we touch on them much during the episode. And again, Baltimore, we were wrong about your guy, Lamar Jackson, a hearty apology again, because we did not think your dude was going to be a Raven. Nevermore. But we have been wrong. We'll be wrong again, but we will also be accountable because that's what kind of podcast we are. So with that being yeah, said, for the Canadian Bomber, for the Canadian Shaman, for the Canadian Bill Simmons, and for our football podcast, the Canadian Adam Schefter, we will see you later on this week. There will be a truncated basketball pod about the yeah. playoffs going on, uh, first-round thoughts and what have you, because there's a lot of them. And then we'll be back Friday normally mm-hmm. for the real basketball pod. But I got some thoughts that I got to get off. So 
look yeah. for that in the next couple of days too. So we are out of here and we will see you guys sooner rather than later, I hope. And 